0: Chapter 4 of Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey by Ingersoll Lockwood. Chapter 4 My Wound Heals. Juliana Talks About the Giant's Well. I resolved to visit it, preparations to ascend the mountains, what happened to Yuliana and to me, reflection and then action, how I contrived to continue the ascent without Yuliana for a guide. It was a day or so before I could walk steadily, and meantime I made unusual efforts to keep my brain quiet, but in spite of all I could do, every mention of the giant's well by one of the peasants sent a strange thrill through me. "'I would find myself suddenly pacing up and down the floor "'and repeating over and over again the words, "'Giants, well, Giants, well.' "'Bulger was greatly troubled in his mind "'and sat watching me with a most bewildered look in his loving eyes. "'He had half a suspicion, I think, "'that the cruel blow from Ivan's whip-handle had injured my reasoning powers, "'for at times he uttered a low, plaintive whine.' the moment i took notice of him however and acted more like myself he gamboled about me in the wildest delight as i had directed the peasants to drive ivan's horses back towards Ilitch on the illitch until they should meet the miscreant and deliver them to him i was now without any means of continuing my journey northward unless i set out like many of my famous predecessors on foot they had longer legs than I, however, and were not loaded with so heavy a brain in proportion to their size, and a brain, too, that scarcely ever slept, least not soundly. I was too impatient to reach the portals to the world within a world to go trudging along a dusty highway. I must have horses and another Tarantas, or at least a peasant's cart. I must push on. My head was quite healed now, and my fever gone. "'Harken, little master,' whispered Juliana such was the name of the old woman who had taken care of me thou art not what thou seem'st i never saw the like of thee before if thou wouldst i believe thou couldst tell me how high the sky is how thick through the mountains air, and how deep the giant's well is i smiled and then i said didst ever drink from the giant's well juliana at which she wagged her head and sent forth a low chuckle. Hearken little master, she then whispered, coming close to me and holding up one of her long bony fingers. Thou canst not trick me. Thou knowest that the giant's well hath no bottom. No bottom, I repeated breathlessly, as Don Fum's mysterious words the people will tell thee, flash through my mind. No bottom, Yuliana? not unless thine eyes are better than mine little master she murmured nodding her head slowly listen juliana i burst out impetuously where is this bottomless well thou shalt lead me to it i must see it come let's start at once thou shalt be well paid for thy pains nay nay little master not so fast she replied eats far up the mountains the way is steep and rugged the paths are narrow and winding a fell step might mean instant death were there not some strong hand to save thee give up such a mad thought as ever getting there except it be on the stout shoulders of some mountaineer ah good woman was my reply thou hast just said that i am not what i seem and thou saidest truly no then thou seest before thee the world-renowned traveller wilhelm heinrich sebastian von trum commonly called little baron trum that though short cut of stature and frail of limb yet what there is of me is of iron there juliana there's gold for thee now lead the way to the giant's well gently gently little baron almost whispered the old peasant woman as her shrivelled hand closed upon the gold piece i have not told thee all for leagues about i ween no living being except in me knows where the giant's well is ask them and they'll say it's up yonder in the mountains away up under the eaves of the sky that's all that's all they can tell thee but little master I know where it is, and the very herb that cured thy heart, head, and saved thee from certain death by cooling thy blood, was plucked by me from the brink of the well. These words sent a thrill of joy through me, for now I felt that I was on the right road, that the words of the great master of all masters, Don Fum, had come true. The people will tell thee. I, the people had told me for now there was not the faintest shadow of doubt in my mind that i had found the portals to the world within a world juliana should be my guide she knew how to thread her way up the narrow pass to turn aside from overhanging rocks which a mere touch might topple over to find the steps which nature had hewn in the sides of the rock parapets and to pursue her way safely through clefts and gorges even the entrance to which might be invisible to ordinary eyes however in order that the superstitious peasants might be kept friendly to me i gave it out that i was about to betake myself to the mountains in search of curiosities for my cabinet and begged them to furnish me with ropes and tackle with two good stout fellows to carry it for me promising generous payment for the services they made haste to provide me with all i asked for and we set out for the mountain path at daybreak juliana in order not to seem to be of the party had gone on ahead by the light of the moon telling her people that she wished to gather certain herbs before the sun's rays struck them and dried the healing dew that beaded their leaves all went well until the sun was well up over our heads when suddenly i heard a woman who proved to be juliana utter a piercing scream in a moment or so the mystery was solved the old beldam came rushing down the mountain, her thin wisp of grey hair fluttering in the wind. Her hands were tied behind her, and two young peasants with birch and rods were beating her every chance they got. "'Turn back! turn back, brothers!' they cried to my two men. "'The little wizard there has struck hands with this old witch. "'They're on their way to the giant's well. "'They'll loosen a band of black spirits about our ears. "'We shall all be bewitched!' quick quick! cast off the loads you're bearing and follow us the two men didn't wait for a second bidding and throwing the tackle on the ground they all disappeared like a flash but for several moments i could hear the screams of poor juliana as these young wretches beat the old woman with their birchen rods well dear readers what say you to this was i not in a pleasant position truly alone with bulger in that wild and gloomy mountain region the black rocks hanging like frowning giants and ogres over our heads with the dwarf pines for hair clumps of white moss for eyes vast gaping cracks for mouths and gnarled and twisted roots for terrible fingers ready to reach down for my poor little wheezing frame did i follow trembling did i make haste to follow those craven spirits down the mountainside did i shift the peg of my courage a single hole lower not I. If I had, I wouldn't have been worthy of the name I bore. What I did do was to throw myself at full length on a bed of moss, call Bulger to my side, and close my eyes to the outer world. I have heard of great men going to bed at high noon to give themselves up to thought, and I had often done it myself before I had heard of their doing it in fifteen minutes by nature's watch the sun on the face of the mountain i had solved the problem now there were two difficulties staring me in the face namely to find somebody to show me the way up the mountain and if that body couldn't carry my tackle then to find somebody else who could it suddenly occurred to me that i had noticed some cattle grazing at the foot of the mountain and what's more that these cattle were very peculiar yokes what are these yokes for i asked myself for they were of a make quite different from any that i remembered ever having seen and consisted of a stout wooden collar from the bottom of which there projected backward between the beast's forelegs a straight piece of wood armed with an iron spike pointing toward the ground at the top the yoke was bound by a leather thong to the animal's horns so long therefore as the beast held his head naturally or even lowered it to graze the yoke was drawn forward and the hook was kept free from the ground but the very moment the animal raised his head in the air at once the hook was thrown into the ground and he was prevented from taking another step forward now dear readers you may or may not know that when a cleft hoofed animal starts to ascend a steep bank unlike a solid hoofed beast he throws his head into the air instead of lowering it and therefore it struck me at once that the purpose of this yoke was to keep the cattle from making their way up the sides of the mountain and getting lost but why should they want to clamber up the mountain sides simply because there was some kind of grass or herbage growing up there which was a delicacy to them and knowing as i well did what risks animals will take and what fatigue they will undergo to reach a favourite grazing ground it struck me at once that if i would make it possible for them to reach this favourite food of theirs they would be very glad to give me a lift on my way no sooner said than done i forthwith retraced my steps until i fell in with a group of these cattle and it did not take me many minutes to loosen their yokes from their horns and tie the hooks up under their bodies so that their progress uphill would not be interfered with they were delighted to find themselves so unexpectedly freed from the hateful drawback which permitted them merely to view the coveted grazing-grounds from afar and then having cut me a suitable goad i again started up the mountain driving my new friends leisurely on ahead of me upon reaching the spot where the superstitious peasants had thrown the tackle to the ground i proceeded to load it upon the back of the gentlest beast of the lot and was soon on my way again End of chapter 4